Hi, I'm Joanna Robinson. Join us every week on the Prestige TV podcast feed as your favorite ringer hosts like Bill Simmons, Van Lathan, Mallory Rubin, Sean Fennessy, Chris Ryan, Juliet Lemon, and many more cover the latest episodes of your favorite TV obsessions. From boardrooms to throne rooms to courtside and through the mushroom apocalypse, we'll be here throughout the week breaking it all down. Subscribe to the Prestige TV podcast feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Thursday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Peloton, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Finals, Kevin Birdo! How's it going tonight, man? How you doing? Really well. Um, been an entertaining final so far. We've gotten to chronicle it game by game, and now Denver is up 2-1 after their pivotal Game 3 win at Miami. When we talked about it earlier this week on the pod, we got to talk about it after Game 2, and I said, look, just listening to Mike Malone, reading those quotes, listening to those veteran guys after that game, I would be absolutely shocked if you don't get some massive home run effort out of Denver when they head to Miami for Game 3, and we knew teams can win on that floor. But they were even better than I would have anticipated. And I say that because you had literal history being made with two 30-point triple-doubles simultaneously. But, Kevin, I'm kind of left with it's not just those two. You know, they've got the 30-point triple-doubles, Jokic and Murray do. But the other guys, too, like those role guys, uh, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon contributing, like those guys playing, you know, well or above their heads. And what I'm kind of left with after watching that is, you know, if Denver gets its best guys playing great and its role players like Brown uh, and the others playing great or really well, Miami has just like no chance. Like that has to be Miami. Miami has to have its best players, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler playing great, and all of their role players, for the most part, playing great. You feel like Denver can get by with just their best players playing great and their role players not even playing that well like they did in game two, and they still had a chance. Like, Miami has to have... they. I feel like Miami's got to play above their heads, which they have all postseason long to be in this thing, whereas Denver can be in it if they don't have everything going right. But if they do have everything going right, curtains. Unbeatable. Unbeatable. Yes. Truly. Absolutely agree with you, Chris. I mean, I think from Miami side of things, that game, Jimmy Butler has 28 points, but on 24 shots. Bam has 22 points, but on 21 shots. So they didn't even get what they needed from their best players, never mind the fact that Max Struess is one of four in the game 
you know, Duncan Robinson, he hits three of six threes, but it's only six three-pointers. Caleb Martin, what happened to you? You know, to, to the guy that was dominating throughout the postseason that sent Celtics homes, Celtics fans home crying after game seven. Like, what happened to Caleb Martin, that version of himself? But ultimately, though, you know, you're right, Chris, that for Denver, you know, it comes down to two historic performances by Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. What those guys did in that game was... I mean, it was absolutely extraordinary. The two-man game that they had, 32 pick-and-rolls run together with Murray as the ball handler, Jogic as the screener. Miami threw every single defense imaginable at them. It did not matter. They created quality shots for the Nuggets in the half court. They won, they won the game for Denver, but I do think the team as a whole executed their game plan really well to affect the way in which Butler and bam, we're playing because after the game, Aaron Gordon was asked, he's like, you know, asked about kind of, you know, hey, like Spruce takes only four shots. You guys weren't helping as hard off of shooters and you were playing more one-on-one against Butler, even if, you know, he was mismatch hunting against Murray. And Aaron Gordon said something along the lines of, I mean, that was our plan. You know, we uh, we were over-helping. We were over-concerned about him when he was driving the basket, getting into the paint in game two. This game, we were just giving the appropriate amount of help. And like that's the way he framed it. And I think you wa- I watched the game back uh, this morning, and I feel like that's 100% the truth, that they were, they were giving a nice amount of help, not too much. And they were sticking like glue, glue to the guys they had to, like Max Struess. That's why he takes only four shots. So ultimately, like I think the role players executed the game plan at, at a high level, even if offensively they didn't have to have big games like Miami needs from their guys. Man, do they ever. And it can't be overstated what Jokic and Murray have done throughout this postseason. I swear, Unreal. every time we come and we talk about this duo, I feel like I'm constantly reading off stats that either have done <laughs> yeah. been done once before or they've never been done before. Like these... 30-20-10s that Jokic has going in the finals. There's only two other guys ever, Kareem and Wilt, that have done that. Um, Never had two players with 30-point triple-doubles. Now, that one, I will say, after all these stats I read and all these breakdowns I read, that one truly did shock me that I... I could totally buy that it's never happened in the finals. I could even buy that it's never happened in the playoffs. I was shocked that that has never happened in any game ever. It's never happened in any game. I mean, there's, we just did the 75th anniversary team, for God's sakes. It's a lot of basketball games that have been played. And it just, and and what I keep thinking is, you know, last round in the conference finals, I remember uh, it was, no two players have had 25 points and 10 uh, assists in a game uh, since Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen back long ago. And then this one was uh, 30 points and 10 assists. The last time that was done in the finals was Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter. And what I'm kind of <laughs> left with is, you, like all of these stats that I read off, they're forever ago. Like the most recent ones are like, you know, like when I saw 1992, I was like, oh, well, 1992. I mean, <laughs> 1992, it's 30 years ago, you know? <laughs> it's a long time ago. <laughs> right. I know. But all of these stats that these guys are putting up, I'm left with like those record books that now those guys are going to consistently be in the answers of insane playoff performances. So whoever does this years down the road, when we're looking up, they're going to say the last, uh, you know, uh, the first duo to do this since, and they're going to bring up Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray or the last player to have these kind of stats. And the stats are so crazy that they've clearly never been done. Like, they're just, they don't happen where guys are this productive, where guys are this great, and guys are this great simultaneously. 
And yeah. they're truly going to go down. Obviously, Jokic is going to go down as one of the greatest players to ever play basketball. And this duo is just engraved itself in every record book there is for playoffs, for finals, for conference finals. It's every round. There's something else crazy that's going on. You just can't say enough about what they've been able to do. It's pretty cool to see Jamal Murray shredding that Bubble Murray, you know, nickname that he had. He's just he's just playoff Jamal now, right? I mean, yeah. like he's a, he's averaging in these in the postseason just as 18 games he's played, 27.4 points on 48% from the floor, 39.6% from three, 92% from the free throw line. So that's absurd level of efficiency as a scorer. It's like you could leave it there and say, this guy's awesome. But he also has 6.8 assists to only 2.4 turnovers. He's creating for his teammates. We know about the two-man game with Jokic. He's creating for others within that. He's limiting turnovers. 5.7 rebounds as a six-foot-four guard. He's rebounding. He's aggressive. He's competing on defense as well. Jamal Murray, throughout this entire postseason, I think it's time to reevaluate where this guy ranks amongst the league's best players. Um, like, does he belong in that top 25, top 20 conversation? Uh, like, right now, just pulling up the NBA ringer rankings that Kyle Mann, Rob Mahoney, and Michael Pina do. Let me just see where he is on there out of curiosity. His last updated on May 18th, and Murray was 29. So, And he had moved up. I don't know where he was previously, but 29 behind Brandon Ingram, Larry Markkinen, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brunson, Bam Adebayo, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Trey Young. He's definitely better than Trey Young, with all due respect. Um, I, mean, I mean, Kevin, he's, he's, he's yeah. never been an all-star. He's never sniffed an all-NBA team. His, his biggest NBA honor is second-team all-rookie. In 2017, <laughs> he's never been honored for anything. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> I mean, uh, but, but that speaks to it. Like, like the playoffs to, to me, like the playoffs are where you prove who you really are. And, and this is the second time we've seen this guy absolutely dominate the bubble. I don't think the bubble, anything that happened deserves an asterisk. Like some people do. Murray did what he did considering the circumstances, but now doing this against the level of defenses that he is, especially against Miami. What Miami did to Boston and Milwaukee, competing against the Knicks, can't forget about that tough series as well in the middle of the playoffs. Like This guy is absolutely unbelievable. He's unbelievable. I think you remember we had that discussion about the the Jimmy Butler All-Stars. These are the guys that you want when it matters most. Mm. He is certainly... On that list, maybe you and you want them more when it matters most than you even want them in the regular season. Jamal Murray had an okay regular season, 20 point per game scorer, shot mid 40s, you know, from the field. It wasn't like he's one of the top scorers in the league, you know, throughout the year. But much like Jimmy, he's one of those guys that when you know, when you've got to play the 16 game season, his wherever you draft him for the 82 game season is much lower than where you draft him for the 16 game season if you're putting together a team. I think that's yeah, fair. For sure. Yeah. You that's know? the list I want to do in the rankings next year. I don't know if I'll be allowed to, but I want to do I want to do rankings where I rank these guys by who would you want in the postseason. Like, that, that's the list that I want to do. Um, for the NBA, well, who's going to stop you from doing that? What, that, what readership for web articles is so high they ain't got room for it? Come on, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. They, they 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 let me write an article if I want to. I don't know, Kevin. You I, can get your thing in there. I'd love to do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Anyways, look, we have now. It feels like. This is like truly a playoff series, the finals, where you start to get this feeling that now everybody has swung the other way. And this is exactly when Miami, to me, is most dangerous. 
<laughs> because now it's like, oh, yeah, Denver's just too overwhelming. They're too good. How could, you know, probably going to be done by Monday night. Uh, you know, the line for the next game isn't very high. Everybody in the free world will bet on Denver. And then <laughs> Miami's going to go look at all of the game tape. They're going to make Denver look bad again. Like, that's just how it feels like this has gone throughout uh, the postseason. And there are a couple of things for Miami. All right. So much like we talked about the level of effort, uh, the laissez-faire attitude that was bemoaned by the Nuggets, evidently Nikola Jokic stood up and yelled at everybody or gave a speech and everybody was like, (gasps) right? Because it's usually... DeAndre Jordan, I guess, told everybody that that happened, um, that he has encouraged Jokic to be more vocal, but he's one of those guys that when he stands up, everybody's (laughs) like, oh, my God, now he's Mm -hmm. talking. And so there was like this, they said there was this hyper focus at shoot around and film session, all this, like all the stuff you hear about, this is why we played amazingly, right? And so anyway, to set up the next game, you have Jimmy Butler after the game. It's on us as a group. There's no X's and O's that can fix that, We the, the effort problem. So we got to come out, dive on the floor, get loose balls, get defensive rebounds, and maybe, just maybe, it had been a different game. Eric Spolstra then went on to say, like, look, that's our identity. That's what we do. And so when we're not winning the physical battles, when we're not, making the effort plays, when we're not getting the loose balls, when we're not winning the rebounding battle, like that's our identity and it affects the other stuff because that's how we're supposed to operate. And so I would imagine that Miami comes out and and Jimmy Butler's like, and it starts with me. So Denver may just be too good, but they're going to be in for a damn gutter war in game four (laughs) because... You've got this whole, like, this is what we are. We just got pushed around. We just got beat for loose balls. We just got out-rebounded 58-33. to 33. We ain't a bunch of punks, and we're gonna, we're about to show you we're not a bunch of punks. And so See, you'll I, get the most physical version of Miami that you get in game four, I bet. I agree, Chris. I picked the Nuggets in six. However, just to play devil's advocate, for the sake of conversation here. It's also possible that we're about to witness the birth of one of the all-time greats. Like, we know Jokic is already, he's cemented his legacy as a great. He's one of the 30 or 40 best players all-time, wherever you want to put him. Like, the two MVPs, now in the finals. If he wins it, and he wins it in the way he has in historic fashion, doing what he's done throughout this postseason run, We could be talking about a guy that suddenly Bill Simmons is going to be saying, oh, is he a top 15 guy? Does he he belong in the Pantheon? Like, that's the level that we're getting at here when he's still in the middle of his career now. So it's also possible against this tough Heat team that has these great role players and and stars who are tough and, you know, the best coach in basketball. It's possible Jokic is going to beat him twice on their home floor and then take it back to Denver and win it there and win the series in five. And if that happens, I mean, I I think we're already nearing the point that regardless of what happens in the series, but especially if Denver wins it, a lot of the Jokic skeptics, uh, Kendrick Perkins, our good friend, Chris Mannix, uh, Mark Jones, a lot of these people are going to have to bend the knee to Nikola Jokic as truly like the best player in basketball. (laughs) No, dude, look, that's done. That's done. I don't care the, if they the knee, lose. The knee's been the knee's been bent. I don't care if they Hasn't. lose at this point. If they lost the, to Miami, it wouldn't even make a difference. <laughs> so you think, 30, the guy just had 30, 20 and 10. I know. Like, what are we what are Chris, we doing? Chris, I agree. <laughs> that shit. But do you think it's actually done? Or like do you think our friend Nick Wright? I haven't watched the show this week. All due respect. Sorry, I've been very busy with my own stuff. But Nick, like, do you think Nick has turned on Jokic yet and said Jokic is the real deal? I I, I don't know, but (laughs) it's madness if anybody has not. Come on. What do you need to see? It's time to, I mean, all all season long, 
I argued with Michael Pina. Michael Pina had said Jokic is the best player in basketball back in like January. And I was like, no, 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 we get to keep Giannis number one on the rankings. This should wait until the playoffs. I still think it should have waited until the playoffs because that's where players truly prove who they are. With that said, um, there are a lot of people around the league who have thought Jokic is the best player in all of basketball. I think it's at the point now that it should be consensus. It should be consensus right now. Nobody's doing what he's doing. And also defensively, I mentioned earlier, Chris, that, st- that the stat about how, or not the stat, but like how the Nuggets were, were not helping as hard off of those the heat shooters giving appropriate help on Jimmy Butler drives. Part of that has to do with Jokic's defense. Jokic has been really good on defense in this series, playing mm-hmm. good positional coverage, uh, great rebounding, obviously. But he's been good in different types of schemes for Denver throughout the postseason. I think after he kind of took it off, took off a month and a half and tanked his MVP chances and the Nuggets were coasting to end the season, I think all of that was to store up energy for right now, for this point of the year where Jokic is proving who he really is. And that's a, a, not, a not a lockdown defender, not the best defender in basketball, but a good defender. And an all-time great on offense. Jokic is certainly passable, right certainly passable, and not just a sieve. No, he's not a sieve. He used to be. He used to be. Not anymore. It's almost time to crown an NBA champion, and FanDuel wants you to be part of the excitement because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars. That's two thousand five hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, the good thing about betting on FanDuel is you can do same game parlays or you can do bets based on the entire series. So you can customize your bets in whatever way you want to. There's great promotions every day. It's safe and secure, easy to use. You get paid instantly. There's really no better place to bet all the finals action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash mismatch. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, visit 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. And what's been super interesting is to watch. There's so many good content creators out there, and I, I was seeing, like, People now breaking down so much of the film, like, here's an adjustment this team made. Here's an adjustment this team made. And what you start to realize is that these are teams of very high-level scouts and coaching and also extremely smart players that can implement these game plans on the fly, you know? And this is in part why veteran teams win. Veteran teams win because you have to be able to adjust, but then part of that adjustment is being able to execute it and doing something different than you've been doing or what you were used to doing or the way you were going to attack things and having everybody be able to do that. And so like one of the videos I saw from last night was here's how the the, the Nuggets uh, fixed their zone problem uh, against Miami. And it was about how instead of going to the corners, they were overloading the baseline. And now the choices that those defenders were having to make out on an island, like it was truly like a chess match. And you, and that's and one thing to 
have a new move for the chess mat, but those guys being able to completely execute it, right? Like, okay, now here's how we're going to attack it. You know, we're not going to fall into how they're baiting us to try to get it to the corner. We're going to overload the baseline and then we're going to use it. So here's where we're going with the ball when we do this. Here's where we're driving from this. Here's, yeah, how many times do you see Christian Brown on that baseline flying in from the side, right? Um, not, and so it's not a kick out to the corner. It's a, it's a throw to the cut. And he was trying to cram on everybody. What about that dude last night? Oh, I know he goodness. hit the side of the backboard, but damn, he was, <laughs> I mean, for a, for a rookie in the finals, nobody saw him being a difference maker. You knew he might get some minutes, but nobody saw him being a guy that could help swing something. And there is no question he helped swing that thing last night. Where were you at on him for the draft? Uh, Do you like let him? Me, let, me pull, let me pull up my rankings last year. I know I was... I was too low on him. I know you draft. probably compared him to some other white guy. Uh, no, well, I had him compared to uh, two white guys, one black guy, uh, Alex Caruso, Kevin Herter, <laughs> Wesley Matthews. So, oh, Wes <laughs> Matthews, Wes Matthews, like what the hell? <laughs> it's a compliment. Uh, but yeah, Christian. Wes Matthews, hey, Wes Matthews, post Achilles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had, I, had Brown, I had Brown too low in my okay. rankings, 43. Um, but 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 I did have him on my second team. You hated team. him. You I, hated I was, him. I was one of, I think, like three people that had him on an all-rookie team. Um, so I definitely, I think I was ahead on Christian Brown during the season. You had I was, behind, I was behind on Christian Brown in the draft. Um, but yeah, like I think, I think with him, no, I said this to Waz on uh, the the episode of Beyond the Arc on Thursday morning, and like I think with him, we were comparing Brown's usage under Michael Malone to Steve Kerr. The comments Kerr made after the Warriors were eliminated about oh Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, young players aren't ready, right? They they're Go big ahead. kids. They're still being college. They, they're twenty one years old. Brown is twenty one years old, and. He's contributing in the NBA Finals because Michael Malone invested in him throughout the entire freaking season. He played 76 games at 16 minutes per game. He was playing not heavy minutes, except for when he did on certain occasions, but 16 minutes per game, 76 games total. That's why he's ready for these moments. Has he got those reps? He actually got an investment from his head coach. I think Brown is his own individual player, and not everybody is ready. There's plenty of guys who aren't. But I do think Michael Malone's usage of him has proven to be, you know, to have great foresight for this moment when he he's his feel for the game, his cutting, his really great defense as well. Uh, it, it, he knew it would be valuable, and that's why he made the investment instead of saying, oh, we'll go with just the, the old veterans. Oh, we're just going to go with the guy who's been here. The other thing about him that was super impressed me, like he really competes. Oh, he's and, so tough, like, man. Guys get up in his face. He gets up in guys' oh, faces. Like love it. he's a tough guy. And look, you can't be on that court right now if you're not. Look at Michael Porter. He ain't, and he's dying. He can't give you nothing out there. Just a total shrinking violet. Doesn't belong. Well, Doesn't belong. Kurt can I, can I throw some stats at you about Michael Porter Jr.? Please. So I get some numbers in my article coming Friday morning on the ringer.com. Uh, these, these are some of these numbers about Michael Porter Jr. So in this series, he's three of 19 from three. And then in game four against the Lakers, he was three of 10 from three. That throughout his entire career, there have only been five times that he has shot 30% or worse on threes in four games or more, okay? So on three of those five occasions, he broke the slump and he caught fire. That happened his rookie season and then during his breakout sophomore season. However, the other two times that he had a streak this bad shooting from behind the arc was the last time, Chris, earlier this season, when he, right before he missed 13 straight games with a heel issue, and the time before that he was this cold from three was the six games before he missed the entire 21 to 22 season 
with back surgery. Oh, you think something's wrong with him? I don't know. I think there could be. I mean, like, yes, three out of five times he broke the slump, but dude, his three-point shot has not fallen. His defense has fallen off as well. Maybe that's because of Miami's offense and the way in which they operate with all the movement. Harder for him to read, but I just don't feel like he's moving anywhere as well. The shot's not falling. The last two times his shot wasn't falling like this over an extended period of time. It was right before he was out for an extended period of time with a guy, a guy with this injury history. Maybe something's wrong and he's just battling through it at this point. Mm. But uh, like, oh, the, the flip side of this is, is this, Chris. Porter is due. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't stay cold for this long like he could come All out right. game four and shoot like 48 percent from three on 11 shots and score 30 points and be the guy who has the Mike, the michael porter game and denver goes up three to one that could happen too. Will, so that's both the look, it's the scary it's the scary part for miami but also the scary part for denver right now i will say michael malone has options now Bruce Brown can give him positive minutes. Jeff Green can give him positive minutes. And Christian Brown can give him positive minutes. And so he doesn't have to have him. He can just like, all right, do you have it? Do you not? And I will say, let me say one good thing about him. Because a younger Michael Porter would not have done this and was much more concerned with his own success. He was cheering Christian Brown on. When Christian oh, Brown came, I, I yeah. noticed it last night. You know, that's not a resentful guy. That's a guy that's all in for the team because totally. it's going miserably for him. And he was hugging the guy, high-fiving the guy. He's like, first one out there. And I was like, you know what, man? That says a lot about how he's grown as a teammate, for sure. Because it's got to be very tough when you're performing at the rate that he is, and he, he he is performing so much, so below his own standard. And and then you see the other guy doing so well, you know, who's, he's playing instead of you. He, you, you know, that should be you that's, you know, flying in from the corner. Uh, and it's not. And so I will say that. He's been horrible. But at least he had a great attitude about it. Totally. I'm with you completely. (laughs) 100% agree, Chris. I mean, I think you got to give him credit for contributing in the ways that he has. And and even if, you know, whether there is something ailing him or whether it's just a a bad streak, which is all it could be. It could just be four straight games where he's just not shooting the ball well. It could be that. Um, You still got to give him credit for turning into the player that he has and becoming somebody who competes on defense and, and tries hard and roots, you know, constantly for his teammates. He's not just all about scoring, scoring, scoring now, even though that's the main thing that he does. Uh, he does deserve that credit. He's part of the reason why the Nuggets have become who they are. Yeah. And on the Christian Brown front, let's just say, we'll wrap up with this, that he, you know, when I when I started off by saying, like, you got no chance if their great players are great and their role players are cooking, uh, what, what cannot happen especially if you're going to have good Murray Jokic games. Uh, at the beginning, you you cited, you know, what kind of uh, the points that Jimmy had on his shots and Bam had on his shots. Last night, uh, in 20 possessions, Aaron Gordon and Christian Brown gave him 26 points. Yeah. 26 points on 20 possessions. I mean, that cannot happen. That is Caleb Martin stuff. That is what happened with the Heat. Even in the last round, it's like you're looking at it. You go, bro, like (laughs) you can't have Caleb Barton and Gabe Vincent killing you and the other stuff happening. And last night, for their part, Gordon and Brown both. I mean, it's just so ridiculously efficient, (laughs) you know, from two role guys. You're not necessarily counting on being nearly that efficient. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I feel like it now feels Denver, Denver, Denver. And this is the spot we've been in before. <laughs> and it's like Spolstra is going to go in there and whip up something new to throw at them. Going to make them look bad. And the heat will make 40 something percent of their threes. 
because that's what they do during the playoffs. And those guys are going to be literally throwing people into the stands and diving for every loose ball and scratching and clawing and switching on defense. And Jimmy's going to be foaming at the mouth and, <laughs> and and everybody's going to bet on Denver and everybody thinks Denver's going to wipe them out. And I don't know. They just, they. I guess that's the greatest compliment I can give them. They've bullied me out of thinking that somebody's got them handled. I just, I have to see it to believe it. I'm not saying Denver can't. They're the better team. I do believe that. But it only matters who plays better. Yep. It doesn't matter who's the better team. Yep, right? you're right. The The better team doesn't always win. That's 100% the truth. Not always. And they don't have to worry about the hero thing. He was not cleared. That's kind of been out there. But, yeah. Uh, he wasn't yeah. cleared for game four. I don't know if you bring him back if he's five, six, or seven. I think Miami could use him, though. Probably could. Just another ball handler. Just, yeah, just another option. Another guy in their rotation that they can throw they also out there. Need, and, look, they need, they need mean mug Duncan Robinson to make an appearance again. Yeah, I mean, he's three of six in like 15, 16 minutes. The tough part is he's most useful when they can play zone on defense, but Denver was ready, as you were saying earlier. They were right. ready for it. All right, let's get to the other stories that we've got to get to. I know you did it on your TV show, the Chris Paul story and uh, possible teams. That was interesting. I was reading an article this evening saying he wants to stay with Durant and Booker. Like that would be his preference is to stay there. He wants to win a title. I mean, is there anywhere that he could go that would increase his chances of winning a title? I mean, the teams I listed on Beyond the Arc were the Clippers, Lakers, and the Spurs. I got to be honest with you. As soon as the story came out that they're, they're probably going to waive him, I went back to a discussion we had at the end of the Heat Celtics series where I was saying, Kevin, since the beginning of time that they've had these guys, whether it was Isaiah Thomas or it was Terry Rozier or it was Marcus Smart or it was Kyrie Irving, it was, they've never had a just, hey, man, let's get everything organized and let's just run this. And my immediate reaction was, well, there's your organizer if you want it. Um, and so I thought Celtics, right when I, right when I heard about it, I was like, oh, that's probably where he's going to end up or something. Um, and I know that, you know, Clippers is out there as a possible reunion there. Um, I, I don't like the Laker fit. I know that's come up, but I, I don't like the Laker fit at all because I just think that, he doesn't shoot threes, and LeBron doesn't shoot threes. Well, he does shoot them, but he misses them all. But <laughs> you, uh, you don't want that out there. I, I just, I don't, I don't like that fit. And and he, he's got the ball. He is the one organizing everybody. You know, he's not a off the ball guy. I I view this almost exactly like I do late stage Jason Kidd, who won a title with the Mavericks, and was really good. Right? That could help you win a title. Um, but go to a team, and I do think that you can be like that. The organizer, the run-the-show guy, the institutional knowledge, the help the culture, help the locker room, help the young guys, all that kind of stuff. But that's kind of where he is at this stage in his career. And so... Boston seems logical to me. Yeah, not it does. you. Uh, it, it, on, for basketball purposes, yes, the Celtics seem yeah. super logical. However, uh, I don't think Chris Paul wants to go east. I think he wants to stay in the west, closer to home. Uh, yeah, and they whoa, said, whoa, and they, I just read where Damian Lillard said he'll he would veto a trade to I Boston. Know, and, he, and he doesn't want to go to Boston either. I guess he doesn't like going deep in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> I guess those guys don't want to go to Boston, but I, uh, I, I don't know. You like Paul with the Clippers? That reunion? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't like like. What? So you could have three injured. At least the the, the two injured <laughs> guys can have company in the playoffs. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like like is relative. Sure, I like it in theory. Like you know, on paper. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. It makes sense for them to have a guy setting the table for them. We saw glimmers of success with Russell Westbrook with him being the guy who runs the show and 
Chris Paul would be an upgrade from Russ. So yeah, it makes some sense in theory. I'm intrigued mostly by the Spurs fit. If he, if like theoretically, if Chris Paul were to go to the Spurs and get paired with Victor Webanyama and be the guy setting the table for him with Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan, whatever else they add in free They'd agency. They'd be good immediately. Yeah, immediately they'd be a good team. And yep. also, just from a purely a developmental standpoint, it would be great for Wemby to have somebody like Chris Paul just teaching him the nuances of pick and roll. Because DeAndre Ayton with the Suns, he talked in the past about how valuable Chris Paul was and saying, hey, here's what you, what you do in this situation. Here's the angle to set here. Here's when to rescreen for me, right? Like all these little nuances of the pick and roll that helped him out to operate with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And granted, you know, Aiton hasn't been the same defensively, offensively as a screener. He's <laughs> and so granted, he probably hates Chris Paul's guts. But of course. But, that's but, neither here nor there. But, 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 but Victor Wembanyama <laughs> is, is a, much more of a sponge than DeAndre Aiton. So I just think it would be valuable for the next year or two for Wemby to have Chris Paul there. But if you're Chris Paul, of course you want to stay with the Suns. They gave you a better chance to get that elusive ring. I also think it's going to hurt them if he's not around. You think so, the Suns? Yes. Are you sure? They sucked until he got there. <laughs> well, I mean, they, let me let me say this to you, just, just to set you up for a laugh. What if they got James Harden? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding you. If that, that's an upgrade from Chris Paul. Can we at least agree on that? <laughs> no, we cannot. Chris is like rubbing his face. Not in terms of, I, I, it's culture. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they have no culture. Sure they have none anymore. It's gone. They it won left a with ton Mikel of games. Bridges. It's they won a they won a ton of games, man. Come on. The the old culture's gone, Chris. They gotta start a new Every culture. team Chris Paul has gone to has been good. Literally. He goes anywhere and they become and good. You think that's coincidence? Yes, and they've also fallen short in the postseason. That's fine, but you can't deny that he makes fifty years or, old now. He makes organizations better. Yeah. End of story. He does. Yes, he, he does. does. Yes, we can agree there. But he's and also there's something 50 years very old. big that is not on the court that he brings to the table too, because it's not always his individual performance. I mean, hell, he damn near had Oklahoma City that ragtag group to. Home court advantage team or something, like a five seed or some crap. <laughs> In the one year he went there. I mean, like, he's just, he can have a profound effect on a team because of it. I mean, he's 38. He's got, he's very, very accomplished player who knows the ins and outs of the game. And that's why I, I want the Spurs. I, I, the Spurs would be awesome. I would just love to see it. I think if the Spurs would be the most intriguing fit, mm. they would be. They need a point guard too. I mean, I, I, I like I like Tyus Jones' little brother, but I don't know if he's going to be like a. Yeah, he's. he's I think he's probably going to be like his brother, right? An amazing backup who can start. That's what I guess. I like him though. Yeah, me too. Trey he's Jones, just not. I think Trey he's Jones just not good. your guy. You know, he's not your starting no. point guard of a title team. No, no, and they would be immediately good. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Another point guard, Kyrie Irving. Mark Stein reported that Kyrie and Dallas are planning on getting it done and making it happen. And that they're going to then use the number two, uh, the number 10 pick. And they're going to trade that as a means to improve the team. Like, that's kind of the asset that they have that they can move, that could get something. And so they'll do that. They'll re-sign Kyrie, and then they're going to try to use that 10 pick to, you know, dangle that out there to go uh, to go get something. How valuable is that pick to you? Do you like 
Who do you have at 10 right now? Just a, for instance, who do you have at 10? So at number 10, currently on my big board and the ringers draft guide is Anthony black freshman out of Arkansas. He would not okay. be a pick that I would like for Dallas because he's a guard. They already have Luca. They'd be re-signing Kyrie. Uh, okay. If I were Dallas, I, I would more so want like, you know, a Cam Whitmore uh, wing out of Villanova, a Jarrett. No, 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 no. We're talking about trading it. Trading it. Okay. Sure. So if, it's, if that's the kind of player you can get, then you can get something very good for that. Yeah. Yeah. You can get something before, good. Hey, before we get back to the Kyrie thing, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to shock you right now. Do it. Because I had it for the end of the show when I was going to ask you some draft stuff. But I'm going to tell you who I have fallen completely in love with after reading all about. Who is this? That's why I'm having to do it right now. It's Anthony Black. Oh. There is an incredible article by a guy I know who I've known for a very long time, Matt Norlander, outstanding college basketball writer for uh, CBS Sports. Norlander wrote this big profile on Anthony Black. And oh my God, it is so good. Anthony Black, mom, mom played soccer at Texas and Baylor. Dad played basketball at Baylor and was awesome. Then went to go play overseas. Family moves over there. By three, Anthony Black's, you know, speaking German. They move back <laughs> after he's in kindergarten. Okay. He is awesome at sports at a young age. Like awesome. He, in fact, basketball was his fourth sport. He was amazing at baseball, amazing at soccer. And in fact, he's on teams when he's a kid that are nationally ranked at both of those. And then he takes up football. Mom believed that you should play everything, right? That, the, the, and we don't have this as much anymore. People then, they now specialize in sports. But mom had a big belief that you should play things year round and that that's what's going to make you the athlete. And because she was volleyball, soccer, softball. She did cheerleading. She did track. She played college soccer. Um, and so at 15, he he's going to a 6A school in Texas, which unbelievable football, right? They fill out stadiums. At 15, by his sophomore year, he is playing already varsity. He's a wide receiver, and he's unbelievable. He ends up with uh, this great year. His first college scholarship is Kansas for football. And then everybody comes in and loves him for football. Cincinnati, Arkansas, Houston, everybody, right? His junior year, he goes out. He has 1,300 yards and 16 touchdowns in 19 games. He's just freakishly great. At football, four star recruit, the whole thing. He's not even, he loves basketball. He loves it. He doesn't even, he almost quit football because he loves basketball so much, but he ain't as good. And the pandemic changed everything. Dallas and Texas were like the only ones. He didn't play on any of the big AAU circuits, none of that stuff. But then he kept growing. So, what is he, 6'6? Six, six, I think it said. He's 6'6. Yeah, six, six, six. Six. And he just kept getting better and better and better and better and better. And Texas, controversially, was the only one having basketball tournaments. So all the players were coming there. So he's getting all this great competition. Then there's a whole other controversy. His mom becomes romantically involved with a coach at another school. The kid transfers there. They retroactively, they win the state championship. He make, makes McDonald's All-America. The whole thing goes on and then the quotes from Musselman he like played through every injury there's a ton of guys that wouldn't the kid competes like a dog on defense I'm like I, I got done reading the article and I'm like this guy is gonna be awesome <laughs> like it's crazy it's a great profile great profile and the kid has got maybe the craziest story that you will hear of a like of a player like that I believe he was ranked at the very, very top of the recruiting class. He might have been number one, honestly, in the recruiting class. But 
some guy pulls out of the hoop summit and he gets the spot. Like kind of a late bloomer. Just amazing at every sport from the time he was born. And got that like football player mentality. I'm in love with him, Kevin. I'm in love with him. I mean, he does have that football player mentality. He's tough. I yeah. mean, he like he's one of those gritty guys. He, like he's got the dog in him on defense, yeah. right? Like my kind of dude. A, he's almost a little dirty sometimes the way he plays. He likes to talk trash. Yeah, um, you know, like there there is some talk this year. Some people saying that, like unsportsmanlike to the level uh, that he competes on defense and some of the stuff he does out there on the floor. But you like that? I mean, I think that's you, you just want to bet on him continuing to mature as a nineteen year old kid. You know, as he gets into his 20s and that hones into, you know, a healthy level of competition. And I think with Anthony Black, he's a pretty safe bet to be a a good longtime NBA player because of his defense, because of his playmaking ability, because of his finishing. It's just going to be a matter of with him, as is the case with so many guys, what level does he reach as a three-point shooter? 30% on the year from three. Um, Not a great free-throw shooter either. He doesn't have the best touch or form from outside, so... What level does he reach as a shooter? That's going to determine his upside, but I think there's no doubts about him being a real quality, you know, good role player for a team that contributes towards winning at the least. He might be better than that, man. Look, we got oh, guys that could be. Look, John Morant's not Mr. Shooter, and neither is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah, but both John, those John, guys have made yeah. all NBAs. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but John Morant, who did you say the other one was? Gilgis Alexander. I mean, he's a he's a he's a much better shooter, though. He wasn't. Yeah, but he's like a he's a knockdown mid range guy though, though, and like I, I that's that's part of the equation with him as well. Shooting can always improve. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can. I, I mean, know, if you've got a hard worker, if you've got a hard worker. Yeah, and I'm not improve. saying I'm not saying it won't improve for Anthony Black. I'm I'm just saying that it needs to improve. Yeah, like. SGA is one of the best mid-range shooters in all of basketball, and that's because of the work he put in. He was not that when he entered the league. There were questions about his shot yep. when he was drafted by the Clippers. Well, and he still gets a million points in the paint. I mean, the guy yeah, is he, unbelievable. He the, yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the quotes from Musselman in the damn article, you're just like, oh, my God, sign me yeah. up. He hates losing more than he likes winning. He He's played. more Lonzo Ball to me. Lonzo Ball is the comp, I think, for Anthony Black. Yeah, I'm with them. That people should go check out that article. It's great. It's great. You just don't see in depth stuff like that where you learn so much about somebody. Um, and so I was all in when I got done with the article for sure. Back to the Kyrie thing. Sounds like they're gonna Kyrie's cool with being there, wants to be there. I think Kyrie wants the contract, right? Like he's gonna play yeah. nice and get his contract. You get a long way to go, Chris. There's a long way to go. Until he signs on the dotted line. I'm I'm not, you know. I mean, like Mark Stein's one of the best doing it. He's plugged yep. in with Dallas, but there's a long way to go. I also want to alert people, read the draft stuff. Go check out, uh, you were on with Ursillo. I listened to it earlier today. Oh, and you sweet. guys Thank did you. very thorough in talking about uh, tons of prospects, you know, and, and the Thompson twins and the questions on them and all, all the way down, a lot of different guys. And I'm very fascinated by this draft and like then now all the rumors and the stories coming out <laughs> about all of these different players and I am uh I'm I'm torn. I go down through the list and I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Um and even by the time you get to, you know, five, you're like, geez, man, if my job depends on this, who am I taking? <laughs> and that's that's where I fall in love with a guy like Anthony Blackmore, right? I would just take yeah. him and be like, you know what? I'm riding with him. If it fails, it fails, but it ain't going to fail. Because, like, this guy, he he, he ain't going to make me look stupid. And he might end up being awesome. Yeah. Um, but, man, I just feel like there's going to be, like, some big, big mistakes in the top ten when we look back in two years. In this draft, more no so than I feel, <laughs> more so than I feel in other years, right? Um, and one of them might end up the Thompson twins. Might be. You were around them. I mean, like I, I, I'd bet on their character. I'd bet on their defense. Yeah, like I, I said them. to Ryan, I'd bet on their playmaking. But if you're taking Amen or Asar, there's a there's a very there's a strong chance maybe a Jarris Walker, 
or a Cam Whitmore or Anthony Black, your guy, that they end up going I 10 w- or 11. I worry right? about your guy. Taylor Hendricks? No. Miller. <laughs> I do. Oh, okay. Well, you worry in what way? I don't think he's surefire. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, I, had, I don't think he had a lot of duds against top 25 teams, and he yeah. was horrific in the tournament. Not yeah, just he was one also game. hurt. The whole he tournament was he was terrible. He was huh? also hurt with a groin injury as well in the tournament. Well, then stop shooting every damn time. Well, they needed him to as well. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. He's the reason. He's the main play. reason why. I mean, look, like I said to Ryan, you know, you can say that injury shouldn't have affected him as much as it did. That if you can't play effectively through that injury, that is a knock against you. That the best, the best of the best, perform through injury, and they battle through it and find a way. He did not. I can see why somebody might use that knock against him, but I still look at the games more so in in January and February. They're in the conference part of the schedule when they were having some tough games, including some tough games on the road, and he was just absolutely shredding, playing the best basketball of his life. But they're against uh, rat teams. Like, that South Carolina game's an amazing game, for sure. South Carolina suck. Yep. They're terrible. They do. They do. I and mean, then also, Chris, part of it also for me with him is this. The fact that Alabama, they played one of the more analytically happy you know, styles and all of college basketball. According to CBB analytics, I looked this up earlier today. They, they took 4.2% of their shots from mid range. That's the lowest in all of college basketball. Miller took only 6% of his shots by mid range from mid range in high school. He was a mid range shooter with questions about his range to three. Mm-hmm. And he became a knockdown three point shooter. So I just think in the NBA, He's going to be a guy who's going to have a more well-rounded game. He's going to utilize the mid-range. He's not going to be forced to take those 25-plus footers when he's hurting like he did in the tournament. He's going to use all three levels of the floor, which he didn't do in college because it wasn't part of their system. They, If anything, they told their players not to take mid-range shots. So I just think the NBA is going to be better overall for him than the system at college. Granted, it led to great success, um, that was a, really a culmination of that entire roster. But Miller was the engine, and his playing crea- the guy is creating somewhat of an NBA factory uh, there in yeah in Bama. I don't know if you've ever seen their like practice court. He has a uh, oat, and he had this. I believe he started at Buffalo. He's got a four point line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that right. extends. It's almost like a. It's almost even beyond NBA three that they've yep. got that's painted on their court that they have. You know, something um, a lot of NBA teams have in their practice courts too. Yeah, for like spacing guys, purposes. Yeah, guys can. So you got Bama guys that like they got to take that shot. They got to be able to hit shots from from that distance. And for what it's worth, Chris, just just yep. I I just want to add real quick with Miller when we talk about him, sure thing. Like he's not a surefire all NBA guy. He's not. I think he's a surefire very good player. I also well, I don't just, think I don't think Scoot Henderson is also a surefire all star. I think he's a surefire, very good point guard, but not necessarily best of the best. But both of them do have a strong chance to be one of the best of the best, especially Miller. But surefire, the only surefire in this year's draft class is Victor Wembanyama. He's the only one. Well, let me just say, uh, look, I'm not I'm not going to try to fight about Miller, but like people like. Don't want to talk about what happened last year with him. Like, that's not a real concern. And I was reading an article the other day that he's, like, in there with his lawyers and, like, when he's at the combine, he's not even, like, answering questions about it. Like, they say he didn't do anything. He didn't have any part of it. He's not charged with anything. He's crystal clean, the whole thing. But then, like, then then just say what happened. But, like, anytime teams want to bring it up, like, hey, man, they say you drove a gun to a buddy who killed someone. Like, nobody wants to, like, he can't talk. Like, okay, then just explain, like, why is this not what it appears to be? And I don't know, man. Like, that's a thing. <laughs> like, it, 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 
it at, at the very least, it shows insanely poor judgment. And trust me, I'm going through poor judgment right now with the star player that I cover on a daily basis who's waiting until the NBA finals are over to find out his punishment, even though Adam Silver talks about it literally every time a microphone is in front of his face. <laughs> and he's making he's jokes really about doing it a great job of not <laughs> making it a story. <laughs> you see the joke on the Dan Patrick show today that Silver made? Yes. Yes. I was not expecting that from Adam Silver. No, I wasn't either. What was the joke again? It's, uh, it was Dan a, Patrick kind of set him up and said something about yeah, it was a uh, carrying PSA. Yeah, a carrying PSA. Who and he wanted somebody to record Adam a Sandler PSA. Yes, Adam, Adam Sandler Sand- should should record a carrying PSA about like carrying the ball. Yes, and Adam Silver said there could, could be have a double meaning. meaning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, I mean, I guess on the bright side, at least it's not Zion. <laughs> Zion doesn't need a suspension not to play. <laughs> Buddy. Oh, boy. Hey, look. You're a man out there in the dating scene. Dangerous <laughs> times. Dangerous I times, date. I haven't gone on a date since October. Yes, you have. <laughs> no, I Stop haven't. Lying. It's true. Stop I lying. Have not, I have not gone on a date since October. This entire season, I haven't. I took a break from the apps. I'll tell I'm you, on, I'm is... not on any of the apps right now. No apps yeah. for me. Well, Zion made up for you. <laughs> oh, he definitely <laughs> he, has. He, he did. He did it for you. you. You see, there's a third one that came out today out of the woods. Really, a third one? I didn't. Oh see yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, I was out oh. all day. Oh no, she's madder than hell too. <laughs> oh my god, he must be telling these girls he loves them. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't that injured. <laughs> <laughs> He's just having fun. Yep. That's all. God, please. Oh God, Jesus. Oh, oh, I see the third one now. Yep. Wow, she called him a sex addict, a nasty sex addict, she said. <laughs> when I, man, I tell you oh, this. Oh, my God. When I clicked on his name on Twitter, I, when I tell you, I, it was an hour of scrolling. And I know I shouldn't <laughs> laugh at all them memes, but damn it, man. They're funny. They're oh, great. So funny. People just getting their goofs off. <laughs> and I was laughing so hard. Poor guy. Poor guy. He just seems like a big goof. I, I think know. he just, you know. Just a just a, a big nerd who's man. six six and got a lot of money and he's famous. Do you see that? Do you see that? that <laughs> you see that fake uh the, the movie poster? That they're passing oh, no. around for no. the 30 for 30 guns and buns. <laughs> and it was Morant. <laughs> I was like, damn, man. Guns. Tough scene. Guns and buns. I know. I got to see that. That's great. Says <laughs> so it's going to be a 30 for 30 on the South Carolina boys. <laughs> Tough. Guns and buns. <laughs> what if I told you? Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious what if I told you two AAU teammates oh I see it that's great terrible yep. <laughs> oh god the, the bottom line says a Carolina addiction story that's <laughs> <laughs> so good I know the jokes are so funny oh god poor I Zion mean, Tough it's times. too bad I mean the, these are like Zion and Ja Two of the best American-born talents in the league right now. <laughs> and guns and buns memes are being made. After that girl's uh, firing off all those tweets, I tell you that uh, <laughs> there are people saying that a- Adam Silver needs to suspend him more. <laughs> that his his crimes were more egregious. <laughs> after she put out all his personal business. Oh, my God. That Jeez. dude, it was terrible. I hate to, I, I almost feel icky. When somebody like does that and you're reading it, like those private messages, but oh, I know. dude, him saying, "How much do I? How much do I have to pay you?" Comma, but I'm excited. <laughs> Might have been the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, sad. You you have to leave "but" out of that sentence. You can't <laughs> say, "How much am I? Do I need to pay you a month?" 
but I'm excited as if I, 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 I'm, I, I'm not feeling great about having to pay you, but I'm excited. Oh my God. Man, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. We need more vets in the league, Kevin. I told you a hundred times. We need more vets. More, more vets who can show the blueprint in the NDAs. Show these guys some game. (laughs) Man. Oh, goodness sakes. Tough times. Yeah. Tough times for the 19 draft class. R.J. Barrett sitting back like, I bet you like me more now. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, how about me? <laughs> I mean, I, I just, uh, I really, genuinely, I hope Ja, you know, he comes back without the same group and a smarter head on his shoulders, more mature. Um, and I hope Zion, uh, as he becomes a f- soon-to-be father, <laughs> I I hope uh, I hope he tries to make the most of his career, even though he got rewarded with uh, two hundred million dollars, despite not working hard at all for the Pelicans. I hope he comes back ready to prove who he can actually be, and that's one of the best players in all the basketball. Well, wrap it up, Zion. Hey, Chris, would you trade John Morant for Jamal Murray? Nope. Oh, get the hell out of here! Yes, you would. Be serious. Yeah. They're right, they're, what, how, how many years difference in age are they? Jamal's right in the middle of his prime right now. John Morant is 23, turns 24 later this year. Jamal Murray just turned 26. Oh, so Jaws the same age as Brandon Miller? Brandon Miller's 20. Oh, I thought he was like old. No. He's 20, turns 21 in November. Yeah, yeah. He's older than his peers. Yeah, he is, yes. I, I was 21 when I graduated from college. Oh, well, that's that's nice. I went one year, but but again, I was savant, obvious. Anybody that's seen me at the Mensa meetings knows. Um, <laughs> all right, gonna do it for the show today. <laughs> do it for the show today. Thank you to our executive producer Jesse you, you Lopez. Think, uh, as you think always, we got, wait, wait, you think we got anybody what? listens to this pod that goes to those meetings? Doubtful. How do you how do you even get certainly in the Mensa certainly meetings? not like, at how? the end of the pod like this. Yeah, true. No, I they mean, haven't like, made we're, it this long. No, we yeah, said may, way may, too much stupid crap for them. Well, no, no, no. Maybe those people listen like on four times speed and they just <laughs> blow through an hour pod in, you know, 15 minutes. Maybe. And and just and retain it all. Yeah, if you're if you're uh, uh in the Mensa society, just shoot us a message on Twitter or Instagram. Just out of curiosity. Thanks to Jesse Lopez as no, always. No. Kevin, I will talk to you uh <laughs> Monday night after game five. No, but nobody's going to hit us up. I'd be surprised. (laughs) Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the games.